Hey, and welcome to this podcast by Chestnut Mountain Church, located in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where our mission is to saturate the world by making disciples. We invite you to check out our website at chestnutmountain.org and follow us on social on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at chestnutmtn underscore to learn more about who we are. There are also video episodes located on our YouTube channel, along with other content not on this podcast. This episode features a sermon replay from Sunday's message. Let's take a listen. I've got a picture that I wanted to share with you right quick, and you're going to wonder what in the world this picture is all about. Um, One of my, if you know anything about my family, one of our happy places, we go to Kentucky a lot. whether it's hunting or whether it's just to hang out with our family. Uh, My wife's grandfather has a farm up there that we go and absolutely do nothing except take pictures on other people's farm equipment, obviously. Um, And as you can see, this is a very, very valuable piece of equipment. Probably over half a million dollars worth of value sitting there on the side of a field that you can't see what's behind it. But what's behind it is a, is a soybean field. Obviously, kind of in the Midwestern world, that's what they do, corn and soybeans. It's everywhere. And so this is on our farm, and we were getting ready for a photo opportunity because we saw somebody else's equipment there. But as you can, what you don't see is behind this are acres and acres and acres of fields, of fields of corn and soybean that are ready to be harvested. And so obviously the farmer has purchased this piece of equipment to do a lot of work, to accomplish what is his job to do. But in the current condition of that combine, as it's sitting on the side of the field in this particular manner, that combine serves absolutely no purpose. It's sitting there with a field behind it that's ready to be harvested. But in its current state, it's accomplishing nothing. If it never moves, it's, it's a waste of money. But the reality is, is this farmer has purchased it to accomplish the work that it's set forth to be accomplished. This particular machine has been fueled up. It's greased up. The blades have all been sharpened. It's ready to go. The field is ready to be harvested but the combine sits. And so with that in mind, with all of the fields widened to harvest, and I think we can all see where this is going, I want you to turn to the Gospel of Matthew and also put your finger in John chapter four. Matthew chapter nine and John chapter four. We're really gonna hang our hat on one phrase in John chapter four. But this picture helps us enter into an easy transition as to what the message is gonna be about today. Today's our last day of, of, of preaching on this series that we called Response, an understanding of all the, the things there is to do as a follower of Christ, but what we've done the last several weeks is we've unpacked the why behind the what. We've gotta make sure that as Christians that we're not just checking a bunch of boxes, but we've gotta understand why we are doing what we've been called to do. And so in Matthew chapter nine, verses 36 through 38. I wanna read this passage, a very familiar passage that many of you have heard, um, but I wanna read it and I want you to think about it. It says, seeing the people, he, Jesus, felt compassion for them because they were distressed and they were dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord, of the harvest, to send out workers into the harvest. I want you to turn to John chapter four, verse 35. And I want you to underline, I want you to highlight, I want you to memorize just this phrase that is in this passage. And I think it'll really, really transform our mindset as we go back out into the workplace this week. John chapter four, verse 35. It says, do not say, there are yet four months And then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes and look on the fields, 
for they are white for the harvest. You see, just like this piece of machinery that you've seen, they're sitting on the edge of a field that is ready to be harvested. A field that is white for the harvest, that is ready to be plucked, that is ready to be harvested. This machine is very, very valuable in accomplishing that work. What I want you to hear this morning as a child of God, as a follower of Jesus Christ, you in the hands of our Father are very, very valuable. You have been fueled up by the Holy Spirit of God. You have been equipped. You have been given all of the necessary means in order to accomplish what God has placed you here to do. But what is so heartbreaking that for many of us, as a result of maybe it's inconvenience, maybe it's insecurities, maybe it's just the lack of urgency, we sit on the side of a field that is ready to harvest, but we do nothing. But we do nothing. And if you've been at Chestnut Mountain Church for any amount of time, you've heard me say this many, many times. God doesn't save us to sit. God doesn't save us to sit. He empowers the saved to go to those who are not yet saved. Let me repeat that. He empowers the saved to go to those who are not yet saved. And so what I wanna do is I wanna just take a few seconds and just sort of unpack some open doors that we have as a church. Just some doors in, in our world and in our community that have been open to us as a church family. These are things that, that we are doing actively to make sure that the harvest is happening. You think about a door in the, the nation of India. 1.4 billion people. 1.4 billion people and as many of you know, this time last year, we adopted some 40 orphans who lost their parents to COVID. So we've taken them into our family. We send support every month to make sure that they're getting education, that they're getting food, that they're getting clothes. So there's a door that has been opened. I think about Nepal, 29 million people. I think about Haiti, 17.5 million people. I think about Cambodia, 17 million people. These are all doors that have been opened to us as a church where we're either sending resources or we're sending people. We're sending harvesters into the field. But I know that it's, it's very easy to get lost in 1.4 billion, 17 and a half million, because it seems like we're so minute. Well, if that's your mindset, I wanna kind of, Shrink it down just a little bit. In Hall County, Georgia, 207,000 people reside here. In Jackson County, a little over 80,000 people reside there. So we have all kinds of opportunities to be in our community, to be in our, our culture, to be in everybody around us. The field is widened to harvest, but what are we doing about it? I think about the, the, the avenue of FCA that we have, thinking about the impact in just Hall County, that we're sending missionaries into the public school each and every single week to where they have an opportunity to, to reach over 250 coaches, but also they have an open door to share the gospel with over 3,000 athletes. I think about Jackson County FCA. Every single week, we're sending missionaries into a field that is widened to harvest where they're having an impact on some 300 coaches and 1,000 athletes. Church, that's a door that has been opened wide for us. And that's places that we're sending people, that we're sending resources to make sure that the gospel is going to those who may never step foot in the, church of a, or in the door of a church. But at the same time, I don't want you to get lost in all of those numbers. What we've got to come back to the reality of is this, that every number has a name and an eternity. 
Every number has a name and has an eternity. And so when we think about it, I know it's very easy to sit back and say, well, yeah, I'll just, I'll keep writing a check. I'll keep being generous like we talked about last week. And I'll just keep supporting what's going on. But can I tell you this morning, let's shrink it down just a little bit further. And I want you to ask yourself this question. How many people work in your plant? How many people are in your office every single week, every single day? How many people work in the store that you work in? How many people do you go to school with? Some of you may work in the school system. How many teachers are, are you around every single day? Here's another one. If your child plays sports, how many other families do you sit in the bleachers with every single week? You know, because it doesn't matter where you are currently or where God is gonna send you, you've heard Jesus' plea. And this is my plea to you as Chestnut Mountain Church. Here's what we gotta do, are you ready? Lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes. Because what we've experienced over the last several years is the enemy's attempt to put our eyes down. Because what's going on over the last several years is it's caused us to become so, so insulated. It's caused us to become so self-focused that all we worry about is ourselves and our little home and everything else that, that the enemy has used, everything that he's used to keep our eyes from being lifted up do you know what? I want you to, as a follower of Christ, I want you to have tunnel vision. I don't want you to lift up your eyes. Because if you lift up your eyes, I know that the Spirit of God lives in you and you're gonna have the same heart that God has. You're gonna have the compassion on a lost world. And so the enemy says, you know what? If I can't change your heart, I can change what you're looking at. And I want you to become very self-absorbed. I want you to become very, very self-focused. You know, I was reminded... I heard a story this past week, or I read a story this past week of, of these two gentlemen. They were, they were going squirrel hunting, and one of the men was probably like me. He was absolutely scared to death of snakes. And so the two of them, they journeyed off into the woods ready to go squirrel hunting. And one man, being so fearful of snakes, guess where his face stayed? Guess where his eyes stayed? Focused on the ground. All he was worried about was what he was scared of. All he was worried about is what had really not even happened yet, but just the potential fear of what could happen. And so as this man journeyed through the woods and he was so focused on the ground, he was so focused on his fear that he never got to experience what he was there to do to begin with. And that is the cry that I have for us as a church, for myself, if we don't get our eyes up, we're never going to experience what God has placed us here for. Instead, we live in fear of things that haven't even happened yet. We just live in fear of the potential danger. But the reality is, church, what we've got to do is lift up our eyes to recognize and be reminded of what we have been placed here to do. And what's even more heartbreaking is that over the last couple of years, the, the enemy has caused the church to put their head down. Not necessarily Chestnut Mountain, but as far as the big C church, the global church, of all the things that have gone on, it's caused the church to become so inwardly focused that what church is concerned with now is building their brand, building a name for themselves. They want their name to be known in the community. What I want for us as a church, I don't care if people in our community know about Chestnut Mountain Church. What I want our community to be hearing about is the name of Jesus. 
Chestnut Mountain Church cannot change anybody's life, but we know the one who can. And so God, forgive us if we as churches have been more concerned about building a brand and building a name rather than we have taking the name that is above all names. Church, we've got to lift up our eyes. And our world was surrounded by 8 billion people. You know many of those 8 billion people claim to be professed followers of Christ? 2.5 billion are professed Christians. And then if we want to go on even further, 4.5 billion are confident that they don't believe. They'll tell you they don't believe. But then there's also 2 billion people that have never heard the gospel, that have no access to hearing the name of Jesus unless the ones that are carriers of the name of Jesus go to them. Church, we gotta lift up our eyes. That phrase, lift up your eyes, you know what it really translates in in the, in the Bible? It's an awakening to a reality. Jesus is saying, hey, I wanna wake you up to the reality of the world that you're living in. And I think that's what we as a church today have gotta to be reminded of. We've gotta be awakened to the reality of what we're surrounded by. Yes, it would be so much easier if it was just this. This is easy to do, church. This is easy to do the Christian life. It's not easy when you go to work tomorrow. It's not easy when you go back to school. It's not easy when you go to ball games. He never said it would be easy. But the reality is, the reality is when we lift up our eyes, we recognize that we're surrounded by people who are lost and on their way to hell. It's that simple. So you have to question, well, what do we do about it? We've lifted up our eyes. We've recognized the reality. Now what? Now what? I want you to picture this. Let's picture that you're walking down a railroad track. And somewhere in the distance, you notice that there's a young child that, is, that has been hurt. Maybe it's a broken leg or a twisted ankle. And what you realize is very quickly is they're laying on the train tracks immobile. They don't have the ability to take themselves off the train track. And as you're walking down the train track, you notice the condition of this child, but what you notice next is very, very scary because you notice in the very distance, you hear the horn blow of a train that is approaching. And all of a sudden you see come around the curve, there is the light of the train that is approaching. Disaster is headed to this child who can do nothing about their condition. So what do you do? Do you drop down on your knees and pray about it? God, would you have me rescue this child? No, you recognize the current situation. You recognize the helpless condition of this child and you recognize that destruction is on the way. And because you lifted your eyes, you have compassion, what do you do? You respond with urgency and you do everything you can to remove this child out of the path of danger. What we've got to get back to as a church, this has got to be our mindset to a lost and a dying world. We've got to recognize that they are helpless, that they are immobile, that they have no way of knowing of this man who has been sent to die to take away their sin unless we, unless we go to him and tell them. In churches, as I say all the time, there are some things you don't have to pray about. Does God want you to share the gospel with that person that sits in the cubicle beside you that you know doesn't know Christ? Don't pray about it. Just share. Does God want you to invite that family that you sit beside every week at the ball games that you know are not plugged in a church? You don't even know if they have heard the name of Jesus. 
Do you have to pray about inviting them to church? No. There's some things that we just don't have to pray about. Lift up your eyes for the field is white unto harvest. Lift up your eyes because you know, the reason that we respond with urgency, the reason that we should respond in that manner is you say, well, well, if I respond in that manner, man, it makes me uncomfortable. It's really awkward. Yeah, it is. Do you think carrying the cross to Calvary was comfortable? Do you think carrying the cross, bearing your sin and bearing my sin was easy? But what Christ did by leading the way, he stepped out of the comfort of the throne room of heaven so that he could be the good news to you and to me. And so what we as followers of Christ is we've gotta be reminded, the reason that we respond this way is because it's how he responded for us. And if you've been saved by the grace of God today, I hope that you're overwhelmingly thankful for the hope that you have. Because your hope is not found in how good you are. Just like Brandon said a moment ago, your not hope is not found in how often you come to church. Your hope is found in the finished work of the cross. It's that simple. And so while we're thankful for this hope, and ultimately we're thankful for what Christ has done for us, I want you to switch gears and I want you to think about something else. With the analogy of a child laying on the railroad track, and somebody jumping to respond to remove that child from the danger. Who was that person in your life? Who was that individual that recognized your condition? Who in your life brought you the good news? Who in your life saw that you were laying on a train track with no way to remove yourself? They saw the danger that was coming, but they let their love and their compassion for you. They stepped out of their comfort zone and maybe they took you to church. Maybe they shared the gospel with you or maybe they just simply started out by loving you when you were unlovable. Who were they? Who was that individual? Was it a mom? Was it a dad? Was it a coach? Was it a teacher? Was it a coworker? Was it a pastor? Was it a youth pastor? Who left their comfort to rescue you? Now we know that they didn't save you, but they introduced you to the one who did. Who is that individual? Who is that person? Aren't you thankful that they left what was comfortable to them and they came to you? Aren't you thankful that they recognized that this gospel message, that this great news that they had experienced was also for you to hear? Second Peter chapter three, verse nine. You don't have to flip there. I'll just read it right quick. I want you to, if you wanna jot it down, you can go back and read it later. It's a verse that probably a lot know. But it says, the Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you. How many of you are thankful that the heavenly father was patient towards you? Not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. You see, when the gospel was given to you, it's because that person who presented it believed that. They believed that probably in your mind, when you were unsavable, when you were unlovable, they remembered what 2 Peter 3, 9 says, that it's the heart of God that no one should perish, that all all should come to repentance and that all included you. Aren't you thankful that you fit into the category of all? It's kind of hard not to do, but praise God, you fit in the category of all. 
And when whoever that individual was presented the gospel to you, you heard that teaching. You responded to it and your life has been forever changed as a result of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's read about that transformation. Turn to Romans 10. These are all very familiar passages. Romans chapter 10, verses eight through 10. says, but what does it say? The word, God, is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching. Verse nine, that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus as Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. When somebody presented the good news to you, the Holy Spirit drew you to himself. Your eyes and your heart was opened to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and what he had done. You repented of your sins. You called on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what does the Bible say? You were saved. Just like Brandon said, it wasn't because you stopped doing something. It wasn't because you kicked an old bad habit. But you were saved as a result of you calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And church, our responsibility is to let a lost and a dying world know that it is that simple. That it is that simple. And if there's not enough there to be thankful for, I want you to keep reading. Look at what verse 11 says. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. How many of you have ever been disappointed that you got saved? (laughs) Just a thought. Keep going, verse 12. For there, I want you to underline this, for there is no distinction between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord is the Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on him. Verse 13, for whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. There's two words that I really, really, really want us to grab a hold of in that, those few verses. Whoever and all. Whoever and all. Then it, Paul expounds on a little bit more and he's talked about whoever and all, but then he says that there is no distinction between the Jew or the Greek or the Jew or the Gentile. And that word distinction means that there's there's something different. There's something that separates the two. There's a dividing that one fits in this camp, one fits in this camp. But what I love about the gospel is that in God's heart, there is absolutely no difference. There is no distinction in the heart of God. The Bible says that he he died for whoever and all that would call upon the name of the Lord. And aren't you thankful for that? That when God saved you, that there was no distinction as to how you would live, what home you were brought up in, but all that we see the difference in the Jew and the Gentile, what they had in common was they both needed saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. They both needed a man to do what they couldn't do for themselves. But the beauty of it is, it doesn't matter what side of the tracks they were on, but Christ came to make no distinction in who he would save. He died for all. And so the one thing that I've become very convicted about is this. How many times does God prompt us to share the gospel with someone and we either chicken out or we look at them and we say, oh, you want me to share with that person? I know what they did yesterday. I know what they're, God, look what they're doing right now. You realize what's happening. 
we're guilty of making distinctions. We're guilty of saying, I don't know that I have enough faith that God can save that person. I've even said it in my mouth before or out of my mouth before. Ah, they're, they're, they're just too far gone. How many of us have said that? Maybe I'm the only rebellious one. But aren't you thankful to a gracious God that there is no distinction? And what that means is there's no one that is too far out of reach from the hands of a God who loves them. There's nobody too far out of reach. Some of you in here today, at some point in your life, you probably thought you were too far out of reach. But aren't you thankful that the grace of God was extended to you? But also, aren't you thankful that that one individual recognized you as whoever or all and that they shared this good news with you? They shared this good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ with you? You see, and in the context of what we're hearing that Paul's talking about, that there is no distinction between the Jew and the Gentile is, is what he was wanting the Jews to hear is he was wanting them to hear, hey, look, your salvation has nothing to do with your heritage. Your salvation has nothing to do with your upbringing. Your salvation has everything to do with you believing in your heart and you calling on in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is salvation. And there may be some of you here today that you think that the faith of your grandmother is gonna get you into heaven. Maybe you think the, the faith of your mom and dad is gonna get you into heaven. But what you need to be awakened to today, what your heart needs to be open to today is this, that it is by your faith in Christ and that alone. I can't have enough faith that my children go to heaven. I wish it was that easy, but my children have gotta have their faith in the finished work of what Christ has done for them. And then for the Gentile, at the same time, while God's wanting them to, the Jews to understand, hey, it's by faith and faith in me, the Gentiles also, they've gotta realize that the life that they lived doesn't have the power to discredit the salvation of God. That the life that they've lived, the sin that they've been living in, this, this worldliness that they have taken as themselves, that not even that could discredit the salvation through the cross that Jesus offered. Because their salvation too had everything to do with them believing in their heart and calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Aren't you thankful that there was no limits? Aren't you thankful that there was no limit when you were saved? He didn't pass by you as a result of your lifestyle. He didn't pass by you as a result of the way that you were living. But because he loves whoever and all that will call on his name, he saved you. He saved you. You know, there's no doubt in my mind that there's somebody in this room today that maybe you thought that the faith of a family member was gonna get you to heaven. And as we shared, that's sort of derailed now. Or maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking there's no way that God can save a wretch like me. There's no way that God could redeem me because of all that I have done. I'm here to tell you this morning that you are whoever and all. If you will call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ today, the Bible says what? You will be saved. You will be saved. 
And in the heart of God, there is no distinction. And so to reread 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slow about his promise as some count slowness, but is patient towards you. You realize that if you're here this morning and you don't know Christ, you're experiencing his patience. You're experiencing him giving you another chance. You're experiencing that he's calling you to be a whoever and an all. Because his heart is he doesn't wish for any, any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. For all to come to repentance. You know, in the heart of God that we read about in this word, it hasn't changed. It hasn't changed. So if you've never been saved today, there's still time. But if you know without a doubt that Jesus Christ has redeemed you, that you've been saved by grace, by placing your faith in the finished work of the cross of Christ, you've heard the gospel, you've believed the gospel, you've called to him, and according to what we've read today, as a result of that, you are saved. You're saved by the finished work of the cross. Now, our responsibility is to simply make sure everybody else knows that. Our responsibility, if we've been saved by grace through faith, our responsibility is to make sure that all those who don't know it, know it. Charles Spurgeon was asked this question. Now, when we ask this question, we could open up a whole nother theological argument or discussion, I guess we should say, but that's really not the point of this question that he was asked. And you're gonna hear the, what I'm sharing it for in just a moment. But the question that he was asked was this, could people who have never heard about Jesus be saved? That's the question he was asked. His response was this, I don't believe they can be, but the better question is this, how could those of us who know Jesus and failed to take him to those who have not heard it possibly be saved? Let me read that one more time because I hope it punches you in the face just like it did me. He was asked the question, can those who have never heard about Jesus go to heaven? But his response was this, how could those who of us know Jesus and fail to take him to those who have not heard possibly be saved? How dare we as Christians have such good news and not tell it. What Paul ends up saying in verses 14 of Romans chapter 10, what he says in Rome, Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15. How then? Will they, the lost, those who don't know Christ, how then will they call on him who they have not believed? And how will they believe in him who they've not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news of good things. Next Sunday, December 4th, Build Day. It's much more than an event. 
It's a time for us as a church to lift up our eyes and realize there's more to church than what happens in here. And our responsibility as, as your pastor is to make sure you're being sent. All we can do is make it available. But you're the one that's gotta be obedient. And so next Sunday morning will look like every other Sunday. We're gonna get in here and worship. We're gonna open God's word. But then that afternoon, guess what? We're gonna go love people. And yeah, we're focusing a lot of it on groups. But maybe you say, well, I'm not in a group, so count me out. Not so fast. Go sign up and we'll place you somewhere. You say, well, I don't know what it's about. That's gonna be really uncomfortable. Remember how uncomfortable the cross was. Remember how uncomfortable somebody was that shared the gospel with you. It's time that the church embraces the lostness of this world and we rearrange our lives in light of it. We can stick our hand, head in the sand and pretend like nothing, that everything's fine. But if we lift up our eyes, if we're awakened to the reality that we live in, what we're called by God to do is embrace the lostness of this world and rearrange our lives in light of it. I wanna close with this story. There was a man in Los Angeles, California. He was riding down the road one night and all of a sudden he noticed a vibration in his vehicle and he noticed some things started going kind of chaotic. And by living in LA, he realized, okay, this is, this is an earthquake. And so what I gotta do is I'm just gonna pull over. And so he pulls over on the side of the road and obviously just for a few seconds as the earthquake passed, whatever earthquakes do, I don't really know, but anyway. But he pulls over on the side of the road and finally the earthquake subsided and he goes on back about his journey and he gets back on the interstate but he notices at a distance, all of a sudden, the taillights in front of him begin to disappear. He thought, well, that's strange. Why is everybody cutting their lights off? And as he approached where the lights were disappearing, he realized that in, in light of the earthquake, a, a bridge had collapsed. And so what the man immediately does is he pulls over on the side of the road and he begins to, to wave frantically to all the oncoming traffic. But obviously in Los Angeles, a crazy person standing on the side of the road flapping their arms is not something out of the ordinary. So nobody really reacted. And so what they begin to do is they begin to finally recognize what this gentleman had already figured out, that this bridge was out. This bridge had collapsed. And so people were plummeting 75 feet to their death. And so because this man was so burdened, he continued to, to be frantic about it and he continued to try to wave cars down, but nobody paid attention. They all kept just driving over the collapsed bridge, going to their death, going to their destruction that awaited them. And then all of a sudden in the distance, he sees a big charter bus on its way. And he said, okay, this is it. I'm gonna do whatever I have to do to stop this bus. And so in whatever means necessary, he stepped out of his comfort. He steps in front of this charter bus and he begins to wave. Somehow, some way this charter bus stops. And the gentleman said, hey, I need your help. He said, what? And he said, look, the bridge is out. We've gotta do something because there's a lost, a lot of people who are headed to their destruction. If we don't do something, so the bus driver said, I got you. The bus driver takes his charter bus and he pulls it perpendicular with the highway and he stops. So now the cars had no choice. 
Church, when is the last time that we have acted with such urgency that we're gonna do everything we can to stop people from plummeting to their destruction? If you've been saved by the grace of God, we are carriers of the good news. If you've truly been saved by the grace of God, how dare we keep that news to ourselves? And I've shared this story before, but I'm gonna share it again. We were, I think, in Nepal. No, it was actually, it was Cambodia. Where Hinduism and Buddhism is, is running rampant. They have to earn God's love. And I remember we were doing an eye camp where we were giving them glasses so that they could see and Obviously, it was one of those times where you kind of bait and switch. You're here to get glasses, but I'm also gonna share the gospel with you. So you see these, I remember this one particular lady. She did not like us. She had the red dot painted on her forehead. And I remember as she stepped into that gospel tent, one of my teenagers from student ministry stood and begin to share the free gift of salvation with this angry, bitter lady. And I remember watching her, her forehead was just wrinkled with such anger because she was just gazing at us. But as hope was extended, as the good news was shared, I begin to watch this lady. It's amazing how God will basically illuminate people for you to pay attention to. And I sat back and I watched this lady. She sat with anger and all of a sudden the wrinkles in her forehead begin to release. And I begin to watch her squinty eyes begin to open. And then all of a sudden, this lady who was headed for destruction heard of a God who loves her enough had died for her so that she could be given a free gift of salvation because she fit into the category of whoever and all. And all of a sudden, this lady, tears begin to roll down her face. And then we gave her an opportunity to, to repent and to profess Christ as Lord in church and to see a Hindu wipe the dot off their head. Because you realize what comes with this, in many cases, they're exiled from their family. They're kicked out of their home. They're excommunicated. Boy, we really got it rough here, don't we? But church, while yes, God's gonna call us to go to Cambodia, he's gonna call us to Nepal. He's gonna open doors for us in Haiti and India. What you gotta recognize is that your door is gonna be opened at work tomorrow. How dare we hold such good news? It's time that we pull the bus perpendicular and we do everything we can to keep people from stepping into the life of destruction. So what does it look like for you? I don't know. But there's two responses that I think that we need to invite you into this morning. Number one is maybe you didn't realize that you fit into that category of whoever and all. You thought you were unlovable. You thought that there was no way that a God would love you. I would ask you this morning to repent. Remember, that's God's heart so that all would repent and believe. You know how hard it is? Call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. 
So if that's you this morning, we invite you to call on his name. Repent and believe. And you will be saved. But maybe today, if you're anything like me, and there's no short joke intended here, but you feel like this tall because we realize the good news that we have and we fail to share it. And so maybe your response today is just to get on your face and say, God, help me recognize the open door. Help me recognize who, maybe it's one person that you've placed in my path that you want me to love them. And God, open a door for me to share the good news with them. And so I don't know which category you fit in, but I can tell you that that invitation is for whoever and all. Will you be obedient today? Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you made a decision or if you have any questions about salvation or anything about this Christian journey, one of our pastors would love to connect with you. So to connect and find out what your next steps are, go to our website at chestnutmountain.org slash next steps, and there will be a form for you to fill out so one of our pastors can connect with you. We also want you to do three things right now. Number one, leave a review on this podcast. Tell us what you think. And also, a review allows us to reach even more people. Number two, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already so you don't miss an episode during the week. And number three, we want you to go check out our Chestnut Mountain Church YouTube channel. So maybe there's some visuals in this episode that you couldn't see but wanted to see. And that's why we have video versions of these episodes along with other content not featured on this podcast right now on our YouTube channel. Lastly, we invite you to join us live for worship on Sunday mornings in person at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or online at 1045 as well. Learn more about us on our website at chestnutmountain.org and don't forget to follow us on social at chestnutmtn underscore for more encouragement and to see all what God is doing in and through CMC. We love you, we're praying for you, and we'll see you next time.